Welcome to When I Was Your Age, a podcast where we explore themes such as deconstruction, anti-racism, and justice from the lens of authors, speakers, and activists who explain what they wish they knew when they were our age. Alex Lewis is a 26-year-old storyteller living in Columbus, Ohio. In addition to being dedicated to learning how to find the divine in everyone he meets, he also, in his own words, does shit he enjoys. We love to see it, King. So, without further ado, here's Alex. We're just gonna cannonball. We're gonna cannonball. So here we go. Uh... How was your faith, like, journey, how has it changed over time? Or do you feel like there's, if it has changed, was there, like, a cataclysmic, like, some type of big moment, or was it a more gradual shift? Yeah, I feel like, and I've, one of my friends says this quite frequently, like, to be black in the United States is, like, constantly examining and Mm. evolving and like uh you know like you could use the language of like deconstructing if you will but it's yeah it's I feel like from an early age you know you're I was learning to like look at the world and get an understanding even if just a basic understanding of like how I was perceived and so uh for me naturally like I grew up going to predominantly black church uh i was pretty much raised by a mom and my grandma in maryland and so uh growing up there like we were involved in like a super big like black baptist church growing up but on my dad's side of the family my grandpa is a catholic deacon they're from uh, Mm. my dad's parents are from jamaica and so uh heavy heavy catholic influence there and so Growing up, it was sort of these like two vastly different faith worlds, one that was very loud and in your face and another that was more reserved. Mm. And uh, it very much was like reflective of those two sides of my family. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like I grew up around faith uh, as a kid, like it was kind of my mom just dragging me to church. I very much did not want to want to be there but I feel like faith was oftentimes like you know Christianity was just a big part of the world in which I grew up in and uh you know we weren't like we weren't super religious by any means but uh yeah definitely was a part of our lives and so really I'd say like the shift for me to get more heavily involved with Christianity was when I went to high school. I, we had moved to North Carolina uh, and my mom had come across this school that was like right outside of Charlotte where we lived. And she was like, oh, there are kids coming out of here. Let's go check it out. And so she went and it turned out that it was like a, a Christian, a private Christian school. And I was really just like 
yo, I want to go to high school. I want to play basketball. I want to talk to girls and that's <laughs> it. And, uh, so for me to like hear about this Christian school, like I'm not the, not the biggest guy. So I was like, Oh, I'll probably get like some time there. I know there's not a whole lot of black people there. So like, you know, I should be a shoe in <laughs> for the team. And, uh, ended up like going kind of jumping headfirst into this, uh, private Christian school. And like, I remember the first day of classes in science class, they're talking about, uh, creation versus evolution. And I was like, hold up what like I didn't even know those were like two different ideas so very much like thrown into Mm. this like uh fundamentalist evangelical world and uh I ended up uh it ended up that the year that I started high school was 2008 so Barack Obama's first election year Mm. uh the school that I was going to, it was private. So you didn't necessarily have the same protections around like what you can say and what you can't, but you would have at a public school. And so uh, being just with how volatile that time was, uh, there were a lot of things that were oftentimes said by teachers just about the political environment, specifically towards Barack Obama Mm. and uh, speaking about him in ways that were very much like, yo, this isn't just about politics. Like there's definitely a racial element to this as well. And being one of the only black people in my class, like a lot of times when things will be said, the white kids in class would immediately look back at me thinking, you know, just trying to see like, how is, how is Alex going to react? And so, uh, yeah, I feel like early on, like it was a, very uh very tough environment to be in one that i didn't really feel like i belonged in and uh i think going through that it ended up that i was essentially just like yo i can either like spend the next four years of high school trying to like combat everything that they say like every microaggression every Mm. aggression that isn't so micro or i can like try and survive my time here and have friends and so yeah i i feel like i ended up like losing a lot of myself uh over those four years of high school just by like being you know trying to be friends with the people that i went to school with and you know hiding parts of myself to be uh you know to to be more friendly towards them Mm. uh but also during that time is when i feel like i kind of came into uh like faith became more of a thing for me like my own personal faith and uh i ended up going to a mega church uh that was uh right down the street and it's super well known now, but, uh, it ended up that like kind of being there, I was just exposed to a different side of Christianity that I hadn't seen before. And one that felt more personal and felt more like cool and (laughs) exciting. And so, uh, yeah, I got super involved at that church and it ended up being 
a church that I was involved in pretty much until like my sophomore year of college, I feel like. And uh, yeah, so was involved in that world, Uh, ended up coming to college, feeling like I wanted to do something within youth ministry, ended up getting involved with an organization called Young Life and uh, was, yeah, super involved with that throughout college. And uh, really, it wasn't until I left college. Um, I feel like during the latter half of during the latter half of college, like I was starting to I was starting to uh, question different things, specifically in terms of how the Christian church uh, interacted with race and racial justice. Uh, but it wasn't until like I got out of college that I really started to think about just this world of Christianity that I had known, specifically the evangelical, more fundamentalist Christianity, and really starting to uh, sort of just like kind of question all of it and figure out like, all right, what parts of this are actually beneficial? And I think like the parts that stood out to that stand out to me the most even now are the community elements that come with being a part mm-hmm. of a uh, you know part of a church environment, part of a faith environment. But there were also uh, there was also a lot of harm that not only I had, uh, not only that I had experienced at the hands of people who were involved in church, but also uh, from getting to meet different people who were involved in church or, you know, different faith organizations, whether that was, you know, black people, Hispanic people, uh, LGBTQ plus people. Mm. And so, uh, yeah. And at this point now, like I have a, uh, I've an interesting relationship to church. I feel like at least for me to where I'm like, Mm -hmm. all right, this is, Uh, Christianity is the language that I've been given. It's the lens that I've been given to see the world and to disregard that aspect doesn't feel super natural to me. But also, you know, I acknowledge at this time that like, I believe that we're all one and we're all connected and we all, that we all have worth and value that we're all loved and worth loving. And so, really at this point like whether it's in a faith environment or not like my hope and what i'm focused on is trying to live my life in such a way and show up in the world in such a way that people feel loved that people feel like they're worth loving and acknowledging that acknowledging that you know we're we're all god's children but also you know recognizing that in myself as well, which I think is oftentimes the hardest thing for us to do. Hmm. Hmm. Ooh, good word. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I leave evangelical spaces, but I still be using their phrases all the time. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, come exactly. on, come on, somebody. <laughs> I know. I mean, well, it's like, it's uh, even when, because when I first moved out to, Colorado once I graduated from college like I ended up getting involved in a uh in a black evangelical church Mm. uh 
that was really where like it that being there uh being there helped me see just a different aspect of faith that you know I had been missing and I think like going to black church as a young kid and then like later on as like an adult mm-hmm. getting involved there and like most of the you know the the friend group that I made there like most of them were gay and so you then have this like complicated <laughs> this this complicated like social circle where essentially like they are you know a lot of them are having to live like closeted lives at least when they're at church so that they can be involved there but also like mm. can't deny like how god is using them within that space and like you know a lot of them were involved with like the the musical side of church and so like i mean it's it's hard not to just like <laughs> get super uh right. super overcome by that experience like, specifically i'd say with like with the black church just the the music the mm-hmm. uh the language the energy that is you know produced with so many different people together and you take into consideration you know the experiences that they've had and like the stories that they've lived like right. it's it's incredible the amount of joy that can explode out of that room and so <laughs> yeah like even now like I'll I'll uh <laughs> you know I, I clown a lot but I'm also like damn like I still feel very uh I still feel, feel very attached to like the language and mm-hmm. uh you know like those are those are oftentimes like the foundation of you know whether it be jokes or also just like real conversations that I have with people. That's super sweet. Shoot, yeah, you know if Kirk and the family that starts playing, I'm like, okay, I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> Yo, facts, <laughs> big facts. <laughs> so, do you ever do you feel like there was there was a moment where you kind of left? I don't know the church like. I guess big C. I don't even know the difference. Every all the all the lingo like big C, right, little C. Right. <laughs> but like, th- was there a moment where you like, kind of had to step away? It seems like you've you've come back a little bit to some sort of like higher knowledge, like connection to the divine. But like, the moment or a season where you kind of felt more distant from your faith um do you think could you like speak to any to somebody who's like either thinking about maybe leaving their um like their faith circle especially um uh like speaking to just like white evangelical spaces if you have any tips for these folks (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's uh it's hard and it's uh like it it is a legitimate loss like when you feel uh you know when you feel something familiar starting to slip away Mm. and I think it's important to recognize that like you know it's not it's not like God growing distant from you or you know however you however you experience God it's not God growing distance growing distant from you it's I think a lot of times it's us becoming like more at peace with like who God has made us to be and like 
you know, and I, I think it's it's definitely, I, it's I don't want people to feel like yo like like shame about that because there's nothing there's nothing to be ashamed about with like feeling distant. It's a it's a natural it's a natural feeling it's a natural experience and like yeah it sucks it's really hard and it is something that it's okay to grieve um but i think for me like when i i worked for young life for about two and a half years after i graduated from college worked for them full-time uh out at their headquarters and uh eventually like I got to the point where I said, Hey, like my beliefs, my worldview, you know, the way that I experience God and the way that I think about humanity, like it no longer aligns with this organization that I'm a part of. But that's me saying that after legit, like six and a half years where like every day of my life was young life stuff. And so it's a uh so like yeah there was a lot of complicated feelings that came with that whether it be sadness anger like missing it at times like wanting nothing to do with it at times and so like i i think if anything i would just tell people like it's okay to like feel all those things and i think it's Mm -hmm. important that we do that we do our best to experience those feelings because it's a lot, but I think it's, I think it's important to feel those things and not just like, I don't know, not just dismiss them. I don't really have like a, a cure or like a one size fits all answer Mm -hmm. for, you know, how to best, how to best overcome feeling distant. But I, I do think that like, you know, it is, it's, it's natural to feel that way. And it's not something that we as people should feel ashamed of. Like Mm. it's, it's, it happens. Like we're supposed to change. We're supposed to evolve. And sometimes that evolution, sometimes that process includes us having to leave spaces that, you know, no longer, that no longer can hold like the experiences that we have and the you know, the ways that we're thinking about the world and like, mm. that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I definitely, I felt similarly, even I first left Young Life before I left this kind of mega church scene also. Yeah. Um, But I definitely remember just like feeling so scared scared to leave because it was essentially all I knew right right and all it's my your, friends it's your friend it's your friend group it's right your, my what community you do every summer. it's what you do every yeah day after school I was like, like yeah. am I gonna am I gonna be okay am I gonna have a life right um right. but the honestly like the second I finally just like said the words out loud like I'm leaving this space I felt so much freedom and peace and just honestly I just yeah I felt free to be able to continue on in learning who I am and what I believe and it was almost like it was good for the time that I was in it but 
it's kind of like it's like shoes like sometimes you just outgrow them and you got to right. get a new right. fresh pair of kicks and that's just there it is right. and it's like yo <laughs> like i i one of the things that i had to wrestle with was the idea that like yo some people need to remain in that space like as many disagreements as i may have policy wise like for some people it's literally like that is their right that's their mode of survival and you know i as much as i wanted to be like yo can't y'all see you know this that and the other it's also like no i i can't like like i said like i was in it for six and a half years i'm sure there were people who left during that time who would look at me in that space and be like yo what are you still what are you still doing there but it's like no man we 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 have to you know we're all like we're all processing this in our own ways and we all have to you know experience this in like in our own ways and yeah as much as possible like i i try to move in such a way that there isn't that there isn't judgment about people who, you know, may still be in young life or may still be in the church or whatever it may be, just because, mm. you know, like I've also been there, like we've also yeah. been there. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, at that time, like it feels like home, even though like now it may not. Yeah, man. Oh, that's good. That is good. I feel like it's almost like if it's working for them, it's it's almost in a weird sense, I feel like, especially when you come right out of evangelicalism, evangelicalism, the whole point is like spreading the word and the message. So if you come right out of that, I feel like a lot of people's natural tendency is to be like, wait, let me convert you to deconstruction or like, sure, you know what I sure. mean? Like, let me bring as many of y'all folks and tell you guys. And that's like, that's a big part of like what you're trying, at least for me, what I was trying to get away from was like trying to tell people or judging people for what they they did or believed. I mean, it's, it's harder for me when it's like the the behaviors are or values that they are holding are negatively affecting other people. Um, But I feel like in, like, the most, like, plain sense, if it's just something that, like you said, is helping them survive or cope with just being a human, then um, if that's what's, like, for them in that moment, then they're, like... It's just, like, everyone has their own journey, and it's, it's like, a whole process. And I almost feel like, even with deconstruction, a lot of times it's easy to get stuck there and remain bitter. And, um, like, your whole attention and focus is saying why whatever place you left is so awful. But I think that's why it's so important to kind of continue continue changing and evolving and not stopping there and it's a different timeline for every every person some people are 
deconstructing for years and for me I I feel like it only took me like once I heard what I was like once I realized like oh that makes sense God is in all people what it it was kind of a fast change for me but I think that it's so important to move on to reconstruction because like building and creating like new more loving more beauty just like better and more peaceful ways of living and coping with life so I definitely think that it's so true that the timeline and process is different for each person but for sure for sure feeling all the feels (laughs) gotta do it (laughs) got to got to it's necessary In addition to being a friend and a storyteller, Alex also spends a lot of his time writing. Recently, he turned 26, and it was around the same time as the Ahmaud Arbery shooting. Here he reflects on his 26th year as a black man in America. The poem is entitled, 26. Today is sunny with blue cloudy skies, a day where people celebrate my black life. Yet today I reflect on black death, how fragile my being here is. Hanif said it best. There are two sides of the night that you can end up on. One where you get to see the sun rise again and one where you do not. Today I'm a boy who misses a grandmother born in 1944, who grew up at a time when the segregation of public spaces was mandated by law where racism was marked on doors and toilets and water fountains. We never talked about the racism she experienced, but I know she did. Her bookshelves tell the story. Her zeal for Kwanzaa spoke to a pride in blackness born from the pain of being black in America. Even now, nightmares of public lynchings, of black death, find us wherever we are. There is no hiding, and they wonder why we have nothing more to say. I got to save my breath for I know not when it'll be taken from me. So I've noticed that you've like used your social media platforms a lot to talk about kind of like social justice, your experience as a black man in America, um, talking about LGBTQ, um, just like representation and affirmation. Um, so what would you say your main, do you have like a main focus or I guess it's so hard because I feel like there's constantly things we could be speaking out against or up for. And I think it's hard to like pick and choose where we're going to use our energy. So I guess what I'm asking is, do you have a, like a main, like, passion or focus or issue or if you don't how do you decide like what yours what's yours to hold yeah that's really good yeah I I think that the to be honest like I'm I feel like I'm just a like a product of the internet like a kid who like grew up I remember like being in 
AIM, like, chat rooms and stuff. Like, I remember <laughs> being on MySpace. Like, I remember going on Facebook for the first time or Twitter for the first time or Instagram. And it was cool to me that they were just, like, you could be able to share about, like, stuff that you were into. Uh, you could share about – you could share stuff that you created and that people would be able to respond to it. Like, I grew up drawing a lot. Like, I would just sit in my room and draw. I would fill, like, composition notebooks full mm. of, like, drawings of NBA players and Digimon characters <laughs> and, you know, whatever else. And so, like, creating was always, I feel like, a part of my my experience of growing up. But when you're doing that, you don't necessarily get to, like, hear you don't necessarily like get to show it to people you may show it to your parents or whatever but mm. that's really it and so once I got into social media and started to you know learn how to use it and see how others were using it it was like oh shoot like I get to like share stuff that I'm creating I get to put that out into the world and so really like at this point, my, my Instagram, it, you know, started like, I feel like most of our social media accounts start, like, it was just like, oh, this is, this is a fun moment, like, I should <laughs> memorialize this or archive it. And, you know, put a put a fun caption with it or whatever. And I remember in college, I watched this Coca Cola commercial for a class. And the basis of the Coca-Cola commercial was that you had two countries in conflict. You had Pakistan and you had India. And Coke put this, uh, they put two Coke machines, one in Pakistan, one in India. And it was pretty much like a, um, kind of like a virtual reality type deal where you could like, the person who was in India could see the person who was looking at the Coke machine in Pakistan. Hmm. And like, there were different prompts that came up, like wave high, you know, laugh, share a Coke. And it was like, Oh, this is it. I remember it really, it really impacted me. Cause I was like, Oh, like technology can be used to be able to, connect others and like be able to bring people together and be able to better other people's lives mm -hmm. and that woke something up in me in terms of like yo Alex you could be like you could be using social media you could be using the stuff that you share online to to tell stories that you know that that impact people that make a uh you know, that affect them positively, that maybe make them think about something that they wouldn't have before. Yeah. And so really, like, I don't have uh, much of a, I don't have much of a formula other than just like, it's whatever is on my mind, or like, whatever has built up inside me enough that like, I am able to formulate thoughts around it. And so like when I was, you know, when I was heavy 
in the church world. Like it was sharing sermon notes and, you know, sharing like Bible verses and all that stuff. And like maybe my thoughts about them that I had journaled that day. Like now it's, you know, the, it tends to, tends to be along the lines of like being a black man in America, like you said, like, what are the different things that I'm experiencing? I know that a lot of the people that follow me are white just due to the nature of like the college that I went to was mostly white. The high school I went to was mostly white. Young life was mostly white. And so like most of the people that follow me are, don't necessarily look like me. And so in that, like, they're probably not always thinking like me either. And so like, yeah, I, I look to share thoughts and I feel like for a while it was like share, share ideas, share thoughts that would get, that would get white people to like be less racist. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm kind of at a point now where I'm just like, yo, there's so much out there. Like y'all figure it out. I'm just going to keep sharing my experience. And Mm. if it resonates, it resonates, but you know, mostly like, I just want, I just want my people like black and brown people to be good and to be like, to be cared for. And so Mm. like, that's definitely been, I feel like more of a recent shift, but, um, yeah, like I, uh, one of the, one of the biggest shifts in faith for me was understanding the harm that Christians had caused to LGBTQ people, specifically like environments that I had been a part of. And so I think a big thing for me was like, yo, I want to tell these stories. And I think like going back to what you were saying earlier about just like, we can almost shift into a place where we try to like, preach to people and like get them to, you know, it's kind of like you go from one form of evangelicalism into another, like Mm -hmm. that's definitely, I feel like that's definitely a stage that I've been at where it was like, yo, don't you all see like, yeah, this is the harm (laughs) that Christianity, this is the harm that your theology is causing to LGBTQ people. Like you can see it statistically, like, uh, one of my favorite Christina Cleveland quotes is that we must measure our, our theological convictions by their sociological performance. And Mm. it was just like, yo, like, look, (laughs) look at how (laughs) stuff is playing out sociologically based on the stuff that you all have come to believe theologically. And, you know, and I, I think that like, for what it's worth, like that, was resonant for people. And, you know, I think there's a time and a place for that. Um, but I feel like recently I've definitely more so just been like, yo, I'm going to share, I'm going to share stuff that resonates with me. Maybe it resonates with somebody else. If it doesn't, like, at least it was something that, at least it was something that struck me in a significant way. Mm. And if, you know, that vibes with people, it does, but, uh, yeah, there isn't like, there isn't much to a formula to it. I'd say like, 
I probably write less than I did previously, but I think it's also like sort of living more and just like processing what I'm experiencing on a, on a daily basis. And it takes a little longer for me to work through some of the things that are happening in the world. And obviously there's so much happening that it's like, how can you, how can anyone process, you know, the, the, the stuff that we see day in, day out. And like, also, is it emotionally healthy for me to like, to, you know, burn myself out over every single thing that happens. And like, um, and I'm thankful for the voices out there who, you know, do wade incredibly deep into these places, because that is a, that is a gift. And Mm. you have to have a strength and you have to have a community around you that, you know, is uh, allows you to stay above water, like as you continue to wade into it. But yeah, like, as still now, like social media is a, is a platform that, you know, social media platforms, I enjoy using them. Uh, I enjoy, I enjoy being able to share stories. I enjoy being able to read other people's stories that they share. And, you know, I love that it is a way that we are able to connect with others on a variety of, on a variety of different topics. And so, yeah, like, I'm, I mean, legit just trying to like, just put, you know, put good out there, put thoughtfulness out there and like, you know, and, and not be like, not be like, yo, my life is perfect, but more so just like, yo, there's like, we're all, we're all dealing with shit. And so like, we have to, we gotta, we gotta care for, we gotta care for one another Mm -hmm. as much as possible in this. And I feel like sometimes that's as, you know, as simple as just being like, yo, this is, this is what I'm going through. And for people to read that and say like, yo, uh, that's, I feel that like I've been there. So yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of me and my approach at this point. (laughs) Sweet. Would you say maybe, can you give some recommendations for people, um, just to follow, um, that you've learned from or just, have been impacted by yeah I I mentioned Christina Cleveland earlier I think that she's phenomenal she's a theologian uh I learn a lot from Glennon Doyle and I I think her I think her writing is really great and Mm -hmm. has been super impactful for me I'm also like I am huge into sports and into music so like most of the like usually when I get off usually when I stop working is when like I'm shifting I'm like looking to kind of decompress and so like I've been heavy especially during quarantine like (laughs) heavy into the stuff that uh Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird have been doing uh, like their, their Instagram lives have been super cool. And like, it's made me have like a deeper appreciation for 
WNBA and women's soccer and just like they have such like cool perspectives. I feel like I learn a lot from people who aren't in my world. So like athletes, musicians, like I love watching like my guilty pleasure is just sitting and watching uh, interviews with artists and musicians. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, most of the people that most of the people that I follow are, uh, you know, that have been really helpful for me tend to be like, tend to be athletes, musicians, writers, um, you know, I think some like some of the more specific examples. Um, one of the writers that I love a lot is Hanif Abdurraqib. He's from Columbus, Ohio, which is where I live now. And he has some incredible, incredible books out there, but also on Twitter. Like he just, I feel like he always has a, always has a great take and a thoughtful take about what's what's happening in the world and he was a pop culture critic for a while so I feel like they're also like impressively quick too which I feel like is oftentimes like you may get a quick take but it may not be as thoughtful but the fact that he is able to tie right. both of those things together in a way that you know makes you look at humanity on a deeper level is really cool so yeah I I, I geek out about a lot of what he puts out into the world because it's so good. Sweet, sweet. All right, the final question. For the namesake of the podcast, what do you, do you wish you would have known when you were younger, around my age? Mm-hmm. It's like 22, early 20s. Yeah, oof. I feel like I'm still like I'm still very much learning it but it's self-acceptance I think that when you are super involved and like you know super ingrained in sort of a you know a evangelical community or a more fundamentalist community like there's unfortunately a lot of shame that is welcomed into those spaces and that we take upon ourselves and it is you know even handed to us at times and it can be easy to just like just like dish yourself at any opportunity that you get just to be like yo i'm the worst i'm a sinner like i'm i'm dirty i'm not worthy of love Mm. And like, those are all lies. And so like, for me, it's been, it's been a process of really having to sit with myself and some of the instructions that I've been handed and really just say like, all right, what, one, what have I been handed? Like, what are those, what are those different instructions that I've been told about how to live, how to show up in the world. Uh, But then to say like, all right, which of these are actually true? Which of these are actually beneficial? Which of these are actually, you know, to use a church phrase, like bringing about good fruit. And, you know, so much of the shame that we, so much of the shame that we force upon ourselves is like, not fruitful and i think we can see in terms of the you know unfortunately with like 
mental health statistics in mm. this country and like around the world and also with like uh you know both you and i like we were familiar with colorado springs like one of the things that was so surprising to me living there was just the uh the suicide rate mm. of youth in colorado springs and that's something that like it it was disheartening and jarring and you know i think so much unfortunately so much of that is tied to just like a like low low self-worth and like mm. you know low views of ourselves and negative views of ourselves and so um yeah i think that it's it's really it's really important to kind of get to get to the bottom of that but then also to say like okay those are the instructions i've been handed now like what is actually true about me and i yeah. think like that has been incredibly valuable to me is to say like one of the truest things about me is that i am good that i am loved that you know i'm i'm here for a reason and it's not that like there's anything that like i could do or don't do that'll change that i think like that's one of the things about about the christian faith that i come back to more times than not is like the uh the prodigal son story and just the idea that like and it's it's shifted obviously like there there are shifts in how i interpret that story now or believe it for myself but i think that like what you what you see in that story is like everything the son needed was right there at home like he always had it like it was never something to where like you know his father who you know we would look at as god when reading that story like god never left like god was always right mm. there it, you know it's us a lot of times who you know we get we get taken away or you know there are you know i think a lot of times like shame can drive us away from home but like the fact that like no like that goodness has always been there that grace has always been there like you're you're okay like exactly as you are like it's not something that you know you i feel like we we do it naturally where we just like oh i need to be better like uh like i'm i'm not doing everything that i could be doing and it's like like no like stop stop like the the mary and martha story or whatever like stop doing so much like literally just like be mm. in that presence of goodness and just like let that let that transform you because like i think once we begin to understand and realize that like no you're you're loved exactly as you are you're good exactly as you are you're accepted exactly as you are like that changes us from the inside out yeah. and so like that's what you know i'm i would have told to my younger self it's what i'm still trying to like tell to myself now mm. is like alex you're good your your love there's nothing that you do or don't do that's going to change that so like it's 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 okay to just like be mm. in that place and you know i think it's tough because we're such a action driven uh culture and like oftentimes 
are Marx's, you know, Christians or whatever is like so action based, but it's like, no, there, there, there are no, like, there are no marks to be, uh, to be a Christian and be a member of any faith. I feel like is to, is to have a sense that like what you're a part of who you are is resulting in a more loving, more gracious, more empathetic, bigger understanding of the world and the humanity around you. And so, uh, Mm. so yeah, so that's, that's what I would say to say to myself and, you know, to, to a younger person, you know, it's just like, is to recognize that like who you are is good. And it's, I, I think it's Glennon Doyle. She said something in untamed essentially to the effect of like, you know, it's, it's, uh, like essentially to the, to the effect of like, we've been told that like, unfortunately we've been told that like, we aren't good that like, being ourselves isn't like isn't the perfection that like it really is and so like um so yeah so i I think like self-acceptance is probably one of the biggest things that i've been trying to learn and you know would have i know would have benefited me a lot as a younger person yeah Thanks for listening to this episode of When I Was Your Age. If you enjoyed it, please share it with all your people and like us and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at W-I-W-Y-A underscore podcast. It's short for When I Was Your Age. All the handles were taken, okay? Um, But if you enjoyed listening to Alex, his handle is LewisAlex10 on both Instagram and Twitter. And he has his own podcast as well, talking about music, different artists, and the name of the podcast is Alex Plus Koku. Other than that, thanks so much again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on When I Was Your Age.